This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Industry stats indicate, and my own experience corroborates, that only 60% of my salespeople achieve their quota. We're only retaining 60 or 70% of our revenue, so that means that we're churning about one-third every single year, and that's a lot of work. To make matters worse, the market's forcing us to demonstrate value much faster than ever before. Customers want pay-as-you-go. All of this means that we have to do a better job, and we have to do it faster. How can we do that? To answer that question, Steve Timmy. Steve, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Joel. And thanks, everyone, for uh, taking time out of your very busy day to uh, listen to this podcast. Well, listen, this is a uh, that that was a mouthful. Uh, there are a lot of factors there. Uh, you know, the world is certainly changing. There's technology change. There's other kind of things that are driving this. Uh, let's start with the, the, the earlier statistics first, that there's a lot of churn and people right. are leaving. Uh, you know, I mean, it seems like people are getting busier, 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 and they don't even have time to evaluate. It seems like they would just sit back on their laurels. Not so or what? Yeah, no, no. What's happening is uh, a couple of things. One, what we find is that with these bigger deals, uh, Gartner says there's like 10 major stakeholders. So all of a sudden I'm thinking about 10 different folks, right? Where maybe I just used to sell into IT and then as, as an example. And then the sales organizations have got this phenomenal pressure because they're seeing those kind of stats that, that you, ta- you know, talked about. And to make matters worse, Forrester did this study a few years ago, and they said uh, executive buyers think that 80% of sellers don't understand their business. How scary is that? So, I mean, I, I as a sales leader or an executive, whatever it might be, I, I can't just sit around and do something, do nothing. I know I need to do something because the statistics are not on our on our side. So there's a lot of companies out there trying to be have have more of a customer focus and really looking at the world from the perspective of the uh, customer as opposed to, oh, look, I sell this thing. Isn't this the most wonderful thing in the world? Well, guess what? Most executives could care less about that. What they want is here. Here's the different initiatives I have. Here's the different different operational KPIs I want to improve. Hey, Joel, tell me how you're going to help me improve those, or we're going to have a very short conversation. So, t- so tell me first, why is there so much churn? What's happening that's causing churn? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, one, I, the, what I've seen is customer service isn't what it's supposed to be. And the second, the second thing is, is that they're not getting the business benefits, right? If I, I spent $10 million, $20 million, $100,000, doesn't what it matter what it is, more and more companies that are buying say, okay, tell me, Joel, exactly what am I supposed to get out of this? Oh, well, you're supposed to increase with this greater market intelligence, customer intelligence. You know, your revenues are going to go up because cross-sell, upsell is going to go up, new customers are going to go up, and they're measuring these things. And, and what I see is people are saying, well, I'm not, I'm not getting it. Or they'll, they'll ask you, you sold it to me, Joel, T- tell me if I got the benefits or not. So what it is is a big gap between what executive buyers want and what's actually being delivered. And people are like, the world isn't going to end if I rip this stuff out. I'll just try something else. And, and you, you know, a lot of the things, a lot of these bigger purchases, I mean, it's very disruptive to change. I mean, and, and, and the way these business models work is that companies really kind of get you, they, they draw you in and they get you in there real tight. So it's not easy to change. 
and we're still seeing this level of churn? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, because you're still got a lot of legacy stuff out there. You're still got a lot of companies out there selling technologies that have not made the shift to a consumption type model. But yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing pretty, still seeing pretty significant churn. Now, if I just put in, I'm, I'm going to use an example. One, so let, let, let me just clarify here real quick. We're mostly talking about technology sales and purchases. Uh, it can be technology. It can be any any business service, supply chain as an example, right? So any service out there, um, we focus mainly in the technology space, but what you find is there's this disconnect between the, you know, the, uh, the, what the seller's trying to sell and what the buyers want to buy. So I use technology as an example. That's mainly our space, but I've seen a lot also in supply chain, seen a lot in business services as an example. So yeah, I mean, there's most, most customers are not really happy with one, how they're being sold. They don't want to be sold to. Uh, and the second thing is, did I get the business outcomes we talked about? If the answer is no, I agree it can be disruptive. Then guess what? We need to make a change. Let's talk about why people don't make their quotas. Tell, tell me, I mean, I've got a couple thoughts about it, but go ahead. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, my, my, my thoughts are is, first of all, you're not talking to the right person. You're really not talking to uh, the true decision maker. Now, someone else may have the budget, Joel, but I might be the decision maker. For example, let's say we're selling some customer intelligence software, right? Well, the real decision maker is going to be marketing. IT may have the budget, but you got to make marketing happy. Not, not obviously IT, you got to make them happy, but you need to be talking to the right person. And a lot of people just simply are not talking to the right person. The other thing that I see, and we're doing polls at Finlistics all the time, because one, you know, I'm a finance type and we're data nerds. And um, they can't, they can't align what they've got to the customer's goal. So, so as an example, uh, we did one poll and we said, hey, you know, how good are you at aligning what you do with what the customer wants? 25% said, we're really good at it. Good. Let's make a quota. Uh, it was like another 45% said uh, that even when we know the goals, we, we can't align our solutions. And there was 30%, whatever that difference is, said, we're still talking about features and functions. Well, guess what? Executives don't hear about features and functions. So they're they're not making their quota for one reason, because they're not being relevant to the buyers. They can't articulate how their solution aligns with they want to get done. What are the business benefits? So it's not surprising. Yeah. You know, uh, this is just, uh, you know, me. I, you know, I'm not quick to blame people. I'm, I'm quick to uh, point the finger at myself. And I would let's point the finger at the company for a second. Are they properly supporting their people? In other words, is the is the company doing everything they can to help these uh, these forty percent of people that aren't making their quota to make their quota? Is that happening? Uh, it's not happening. That's that's the problem. And um, you, you know, I always like to you know if we run video, I, I I do this little thing where I show these these soccer cards. And we know that soccer cards are red, you're thrown out; yellow's a warning; green, you're in. And I'm always throwing a yellow card at people in sales enablement and sales leader. Cause we did another, we did another study and said, how involved are sales leader in helping you uh, generate what we call these customer insights? It was like 20%, Joel. Can you imagine that? 20%. So when we think about, you know, our field sellers, the ones that aren't making quota, even though a lot of companies, and I'm not a negative person, but I'm sounding this way. You know, even a lot of companies, I don't care what you're selling. It's like customer first, customers first. Well, the studies are showing that, well, you're not believing it internally. And guess what? Your customers and not believe in it ever either. So to me, starts at the top. The CEO's got to buy into this customer first. 
Then we've got the sales leader. Then we got sales enablement. Because without that support, how's it? How's anything going to work? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, when I see a number like that, it just makes me think, is it the people that are bad or is it their support? They're not getting the support they need. The other thing is, uh, we had a gentleman on this podcast, a fascinating uh, discussion uh, several months ago uh, about sales technology tools mm-hmm. and about, uh, you know, intent data yeah. and, and different kinds of things that tools that companies can buy, tools they can provide their people. I mean, are, are most companies that you're running into larger type companies, are they buying this kind of data? Are they getting the kind of information, intel, insights that their people can really monetize? It's it's mixed. It's not just the large companies. I, I mean, you know, we deal with a lot of large companies. I, we deal with ones that are like 100 million, 200 million, whatever it is. And here, here's what you're finding is that uh, there is that like intent data out there, which I like, right? So, so, so let's say that I've got, I, I know they're trying to move to the cloud as an example. Well, if I still can't articulate how my solution adds benefits, hey, Joel, I know you're up to it. I know you're, you're interested in this, but I, for the life of me, can't explain how our solution adds value. So there's all this cool data out there, wonderful data out there. I and mean, that's one of the things we can do, do is consolidate that stuff. But you've got to put it in the context of now. Now let's look at that from the customer's perspective and what is the business and financial value bring. So a lot of cool data. Oh, my gosh, it's great. And Joe, to go back what what you said, you know, the, the 40% that aren't making quota, I, I have a lot of friends. I work with, we work with thousands of sellers a year, literally. And I, I think they're good people. And I think they want to do the right thing. A lot of times, as you're alluding to, they're just not getting the support they need. Well, what I, I'm already working 16 hours a day. Now, what else am I supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. So when you talk about support, uh, you know, providing them with, uh, you know, intent-based data, is awesome leads awesome you know i don't know whatever else they, they could do are, are they getting training i mean do they what, what do they need do they need more training do they need more coaching do they need mentorship what what, what do these people need it, it's really a combination of that so training is it's got to be what's the goal and and a lot of times what i find is it not you know we're going to do this training and how we're going to measure success is that a higher percentage of our sellers make quota or the average deal size goes up or the discounts go down so a lot of times what I find, the, the goal isn't, it isn't stated. So how can you measure success? The other part that I see is that, you know, the, the role of sales leaders, they have got to be involved. Like I, I was talking to a company the other day, we're a very sales, we're a very customer focused, uh, you know, organization, customer first, customer first. I said, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, is anything around the customer's goals or strategies or their executive compensation? Uh, in your account plans? No. And I knew this guy, so I could kind of jerk him around. I said, then you're really not customer focused. I mean, come on, dude, you got to be kidding me. So one, it's got to be made a part of the fabric of the organization. So it's in account plans. Hey, Joel, you know, you're, you, you're my boss and we're having a QBR. Steven, you, you, you're calling on Procter & Gamble as an example. We know their goal is this. How are they succeeding? How are we helping them? So it has to become part of the fabric of which training is just a part, but it really has to be reinforced by sales leaders. Uh, it ha- Sales enablement ongoing as things are changing. You've got to say, hey, here's a little snippet. You don't have to come back in for another two-day workshop. Who wants to do that? But hey, here's a, here's a big shift in the industry. For example, you know, retail right now, if you look at a lot of like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or, or a lot of those companies, their days and inventories are going up, right? 
because they're just stockpiling product. We can get it. We don't lose sales. Well, that's the kind of thing I give a heads up. Hey, Joel, heads up. This is happening to these companies and maybe we can't help them over there, but that stuff costs a lot of money. Maybe it's time to go revisit this discussion we had around labor cost or something. So it's those little snippets that sales enablement needs to be getting out to folks saying, hey, here's what's different. Here's what's different. Here's how we can help. So who, and who provides that? Is that the kind of thing that comes from the company or do they have to bring in outsiders or they bring in speakers? I mean, who who helps them understand these kinds of things? Because you're talking about looking at data through right. a different set of eyes than is normal for them. Right, right. It, it's really a couple of things. Like one, that's one of the things we do uh, is provide the data. But what you're finding is more and more companies have got like industry specialists, as an example. They've got what we call these value consultants or value engineers that say, hey, we can look at this stuff. We can help interpret it. Uh, we can get it out to the masses. So heads up, go look for this kind of stuff. So it's not up to the seller to look at that data and figure it out. Sellers to then use those observations with a customer executive say, hey, we've seen this and it made me think about this. But no, more and more companies are getting more uh, industry focused. Uh, more and more companies are bringing on what we call these value engineers, value consultants that are smart people that can look at that. And then same thing with their, their industry experts. And you know, not everyone can afford that. So I'm always like, hey, focus on one or two for starters. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so let's say that uh, let's say that some of this insight is provided to a company. Um, how does some of this insight make a difference? Give, give me an example of an insight. And let's talk about how it makes a difference at the company level. Okay. So, so let's do that. So let, let's take, I'm not going to name the company, but a consumer products company, they have a goal of taking out 600 million in cost and they want to reallocate that to growth. All right. So they're going to take, they're going to take out costs around manufacturing, around labor, around material costs, maybe, which is hard to do nowadays. They're going to automate a bunch of like finance and accounting uh, processes. So they say, okay, our goal is to generate $600 million. Right. And they're going to reinvest that into the company. Well, Think about the conversation I can now have. Instead of me coming in, Joel, let's say I'm selling, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, automation. Let's say I'm selling automation. Instead of me saying, Joel, hey, what keeps you awake at night? Which is one of the lamest questions in the world. Uh, I can come in and say, Joel, my understanding is that you are trying to uh, take out cost to reinvest it back into the company. One of the areas I understand you're trying to do that around is, is manufacturing. Let me share how we've helped others in this industry. So, and and here, here's, here's the potential amount of, of improvement. So immediately, you're, I'm in manufacturing, you're talking my language, right? Or I, I could be talking to some, someone in product development. Hey, I, you know, I understand you're trying to get product out to the door faster. You're going to take some of that 600 million. Here's how we've helped others. So in, immediately, you're speaking my language. And, um, you know, we hear this repeatedly, like in our book, Insight Led Selling, we interviewed a dozen executives from all kinds of companies. And they said only about 20% of sellers can do that. And they said the 20% that could, they wouldn't listen to. And even if it wasn't something they could act on then, they would refer them to someone else, either in the organization or some of us that actually tell one of their competitors so my point is, is that by knowing these things, you are so much more relevant to these executive buyers, which I said earlier, uh, these executive buyers, different uh, uh, you know, surveys, they think 80% of the sellers don't understand their business. Well, what's more important to a business than its goals and strategies? 
Yeah. You, you know, I was talking to a guy uh, this week who's an expert. Um, he's a, a sales guy, you know, kind of thing. And uh, he thinks a lot of these issues come from listening, that most people are not good listeners and that they're not hearing cues. They may be hearing facts and figures, but they're not hearing emotion. They're not hearing a lot of the response triggers. Uh, you know, what do you think? I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I'm a numbers guy. I, you know, I'm, I'm a finance type, but uh, the the better sellers that I know, they are great listeners. They can they can pick up on, hey, I know what you know chief marketing officers are up to, but hey, this person, you know, the average life of a chief marketing officer is three years. This person's been there two years already. What can I do to make them successful in a year? You know, or, or you know, I, I'm I'm starting off in operations, but I aspire to uh, be a, a senior VP, maybe in finance. So what I find is they're so so good at the psychological aspects of that. Like, what is what's going to make Joel happy, right? And not being that you're selfish, but it's like, hey, if I'm going to be at work, I should be happy, right? So I, I find that a lot. I'm just, I've got some uh, folks that work with me. I, I love listening to them because uh, I'm not as strategic as they are. I'm not as, I don't want to say sensitive as they are, but they'll say, Stephen, on that call, did you realize this person said this? I'm like, really? Okay. So yeah, I, I agree with that completely. The numbers are great. Uh, all this knowledge is great. But if you can't you know, convert it into how that person is thinking and feeling and what they want to do, eh. You know, I've always thought that the best sellers, uh, you know, they can they can sense things like a shark smells blood a mile away. I, I mean, they just have a sense about small things, little tells. It could be words, it could be movements, it could be eye patterns, it could be blinking, it could be a, yeah. whatever the thing is. They just the best people pick up on things that are subtle. And and listening to what you're saying, it, it just there are levels of salespeople. So there are some people that work on data. There's some people that, that you know kind of get facts and figures. There's some people that get this. And then there's some really high level that kind of reads in between the lines and kind of gets other stuff. And that's, uh, you know, do you think you can teach that high level or is that just intuitive and that's it? Uh, I got to, I, I think it's intuitive. I mean, my, myself, I mean, of course I, I don't, you know, I know there's classes with, on like the trusted advisor and uh, with some of my clients because we integrated into their sales program. Y- you know, we, I, I sat through those programs. Some of our uh, coaches sat through those programs and I was looking at that and it was, it's great stuff. Don't, don't get me wrong, Joe, really, really good stuff. And I think the quotient is how, how much you have the customer talk about them divided by how much you talk about yourself. And, you know, I was just looking at that going, God, that's gotta be hard. That's gotta be really hard. But, you know, the really good ones do that as well as they've got the facts to, to back things up. Like, Hey, we, we think we can help, help you improve your profitability by, X or I understand that executives are compensated on this. So, you know, that skill combined with the numbers, I don't think you can ever get away from the numbers because that's, that's the finance is the language of business. But yeah, I, I agree. There's that very, very small percentage that has that sixth sense or whatever you want to call it that can really read the room. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. So what are, what are some trends? What are some things that are happening in the sales world that, uh, that we need to pay attention to? Well, you know, like I mentioned, is that more and more companies are talking about customer first. And I think a lot more companies, I don't want to sound uh, you know, cynical, they're doing more talking about it than they are actually doing something about it. So this one is this whole customer first. What are they trying to get accomplished? You know, how are they doing financially? What are their goals? The other thing that I've seen uh, emerging 
is that companies talk a lot about, say, I'm, I'm a technology company, I'm a supply chain company, or wherever it might be. Oh, here's the value that we bring to our customers. Okay. Well, I, I was <laughs> I was in one of these calls one time, and they said, Well, here's you know, here's this matrix that we came up with. Here's the use cases, and here's the value that we bring to the customers. And uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate; I get to work on both sides of the desk. And I said, "Let me ask you this: How much time have you spent your customers asking them how, what they perceive is the value that you bring?" And they're all like, kind of quiet. So one of the things that you're seeing more and more is collaboration amongst uh, you know whoever's the, the 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 solution provider is and the companies themselves uh, that they're selling to, because both want to be successful. I mean, I, I am convinced, you know, if you're selling to like a, a Procter & Gamble or, a, you know, Colgate Palmolive, whoever, Walmart, whoever it might be, or it can be smaller. They want, they want the seller to be successful. They don't like to restart the thing every time. And if the, you know, they're successful, the seller's successful, they really are more, you know, partners than here, here's our vendor. So, I'm seeing more and more of this collaboration getting inside the, the head of the customer and really defining value from the customer's perspective, not what you think it is, but how they, they perceive it or what they're realizing. Yeah. You know, the logic of customer first or the customer is always right or whatever, it's, it's as old as the hills. People have been saying that for you know hundreds of years. You know, I mean, as long as this kind of discussion has been happening, what's different about it now than, than like 100 years ago? Well, I, to, to me, a couple of things are, are driving that is customers are so much better informed. I mean, there's there's one stat that says these buying groups are already 70% down the buying journey before they even engage with someone in sales, right? So they're 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 better informed, they got a lot more information. There's there's a, a lot more, as I mentioned the statistic earlier that Gartner says there's 10 plus major stakeholders now and some of these larger deals. So now I have got to be relevant, right? So now I've got more people I've got to talk to. I got to tell her the message. Well, I need to just understand what they're, they're up to. And I don't have a lot of time to get around to here's how my solutions can add benefit. Uh, you know, here's what the, the business financial benefits are going to be. And then the other thing that you've seen in emergence of, and I meant to mention this earlier, is you're, you know, we used to talk about value selling. Now we talk about value selling and realization. So these, these sales organizations are spending more time with customers saying, Joel, I said I was going to help you save 10 million. Let's work together to see if you actually got it. So they've, they're being forced to be more customer first because customers have got a lot more options. They're, they're much more knowledgeable than they used to be. So you, you've got to be customer first. If not, you're just a also ran. So uh, so now let's talk about customer first. I mean, uh, that, that kind of is why I kind of get it because people are more yeah. informed. The, the internet helps them. They do all this research mm-hmm. in advance. It's easier to do research now. What does customer first really look like? You know, uh, I think and think about it from this perspective. Yeah. That, uh, talk is cheap. Very easy to say your customer first. Very easy to say uh, the, the customer is always right, blah, blah, blah. You know, very easy to just kind of bubble this stuff along. But what's, you know, what does it look like? Companies that really do it well, what does it mean? Yeah, so so a couple of things. One, it gets back to what I was saying earlier about what is the customer up to? Goals, strategies, how their execs get compensated, if they're publicly traded, right? What's happening in their industry? So one is me being more knowledgeable about the customer and then me being able to say, okay, 
I understand this is what you're trying to get done. Let me share with you how we've done this with others, right? Uh, and, and as we're going through that journey, let's say you, you've already purchased the service, whatever it is. Uh, I know of some companies that I mentioned this earlier, that it's part of their account plan. Sales leaders, you're doing the QBRs. Uh, the, the one guy, I won't tell you the name of the company. It's a rather large one. And he said what he, how he started off the QBRs was not, where are you relative to what we put in budget? He would ask the question, where's your customer relative to the goals they're trying to achieve? So the discussion centered on, started with and centered on how the customer is doing and then how their, their solutions help. And as I said, the, the true customer first to me is, hey, Joel, did you get the value that we promised you? Right. And, and, and we're, so we're on this journey together. That is like you and I, um, you know, really, I'm not saying like being friends, but really it's more like, you know, here's how we're going to com- communicate. We really are partners in this. So who, and who, who asked that question? Is it a survey? Is it a third party or is it really a friend? I mean, you know, like, is it really the salesperson who becomes friends with the company? I mean, who actually conducts that discussion? It's well, the ones that I've seen that do it right, it's really it's really a combination. So you really got the seller as the quarterback, right? Field sales, but they can't be the industry expert. They can't be the value engineer. They can't be, you know, the solution expert. So so what we're finding is that who participates in that quarterly review or semi-annual review with the customer involved is it's going to be Aussie the account exact, right? It's going to be the folks that that worked on the solution, ideally, uh, and they're, they're stretched thin if it's a large enough account. It's going to be this, the sales leader. And so it's not just me going in talking to you. There were so many people already involved in this process that not all of us, but some of us have got to be there to say, okay, hey, Joel, here's what we promised. This is my understanding of what you've gotten so far. You know, here's why my understanding is how things have changed. Let, let's talk about uh, how you know we've we've delivered value to you, and here's how we think we can add additional value. So yeah, it's not surveys. I don't know. I, I'm not a big. I do surveys. All you the know, time. but I, I think that kind of is indicative. I mean, a lot of companies, especially larger companies, they kind of get very robotic, and they they do things like surveys because they you know I'm not a big fan of surveys. I'm not a big fan of a lot of this kind of research because I, I think people you know, kind of, it's very slanted, you know, and you kind of get the <laughs> results that you're looking for in a lot of cases, you know, but, uh, you know, just, uh, it, it's interesting to have this discussion. It's interesting to get your perspective. So are there companies that are actually out there doing a really good job of this sort of thing? I mean, can you, uh, can you put your finger on a couple of, uh, companies yeah. that we should be looking at as, as real leaders in this area? Yeah. I think who's been at the forefront of this for years has been like SAP and, and Oracle as an example. They, I mean, like we're talking about it, a decade plus ago. I mean, I know folks that longer than that, it was like, we want to be able to show the value that we delivered. Here's the well, value. So, and how are they doing it? What are they doing that's so awesome? They, well, they've got uh, a team of, of experts that know how to engage with customers. And so their A's are, for the most part, well-trained. I can talk to you, Joel. Hey, Joel, my understanding is you're trying to do something around greater customer insights. Here's how we've helped others. Oh, well, that's interesting. But, but Stephen, you're, you're not a marketing person. I really don't want to talk. I don't want to have this deep conversation with you. Oh, we've got some people that specialize in marketing who can do this. So they've invested the resources to, to do this, both in terms of arming their AEs and not all of them. You know, I'm not saying 100%. They've got the resources to back it up in terms of like 
use cases, like on average in this industry, we're able to reduce churn by X to Y percent or improve total cost of manufacturing. So they've got the use cases, they mapped it against, uh, you know, what, what they actually do. Uh, and then they have the experts that can, can actually do it. So it's not, and not every account gets that, right? So as, as you start going into more of the SMB space, you can't bring in this very expensive value engineer. That's why you have to equip the seller to, to do this even more. So they just have a lot of resources. Uh, another company, I think it that does it very well. It's a, a newer company called Snowflake. Uh, and they, they uh, provide cloud services and they've made this investment. They said, you know, if we're going to try to grow, I think they're averaging like 200% a year. Uh, you, you know, we've got to be as relevant as possible. So there are there are companies like that that I think really stand out. Let me, let me ask a question. You know, you're, you're a financial person. I'm a financial person. Do you think that companies that are too financially concerned end up being weak on this customer first thing? Or, do they, or does the customer first thing end up being better financially? You know, so which one comes first and what's the focus? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you're in the real world. You can't have one organization running everything. Right. Because if us as a, if us finance folks were in charge, like these retailers would not be bulking up on inventories, but they would be losing sales. So it really has it has to be a blend, Joel. It's, it's just like, you know, I bring a financial perspective to a lot of this, but I enjoy listening to my marketing and sales friends saying, see, Stephen, I, I know, I know we have to make this investment, but I think these will be the benefits. So it cannot be. And some of my finance friends are probably going to throw something at me. Uh, it, it just cannot be one discipline dominates everything. It has, it's truly a team sport. Listen, I, th- I think you should be applauded for that perspective because it's a holistic approach. It's a team sport, as you say. And uh, I don't think a lot of guys uh, see it that way. I don't think a lot of professional people, I think they kind of are so uh, focused on their own discipline that right. they fail to see outside. So I think that, you know, everybody puts their idea on the table and then yeah. they kind of go back and forth about why things are good or not good. And, uh, you go from there. I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's got it's got to be. I mean, come on. That's why we have different disciplines. That's why we have different personalities. That's why we have different psyches. I mean, it's it's a team effort. Yeah. Well, listen. You know what? Uh, the promise of the show is to deliver the inside track, the best, smartest, or fastest way to get uh, you know something done, which is all about enterprise sales, about doing it the best way. Uh, you've delivered on that promise, and the people who Thank deliver you. on the promise. Uh, we call those people advantage players and you've earned the, uh, the designation of advantage player. So uh, thank you for delivering uh, to the audience and for uh, showing up and, uh, you know, and, and just being candid and open and kind of letting people see how it works. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you being here and it's, uh, it's been our pleasure to host you. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. And again, I want to thank everyone. Uh, hopefully you got a good ROI on this half an hour that you spent. But uh, anyway, thanks a lot. And we'll, and we'll have all your contact info and everything will be in the show notes. So thanks for being with us. Yeah. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Audavita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audavita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. 
Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.